23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my heart. Even he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You will pour oil on my head, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. So how did you do? Because that assignment wasn't just for the kids, though I've heard from multiple kids that knocked it out and and memorized it right away. But how did you do, mom, dad, adult? Uh, We need to learn this passage as well. I I really believe by committing to memory, it will help us, one, kill some anxiety, two, shine in our town for Jesus. So I've been repeating that first line over and over in my head. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I lay down in bed last night, couldn't sleep for a while, and I just repeated that over and over in my mind. And I'm thankful that he's my shepherd. Let me pray. Jesus, you... uh, You made me want to preach this passage again. And so I pray that as it comes out of my mouth and goes over these these waves, that you would take the truth about you and impress it into our hearts and move us. Move us toward you first, Lord Jesus. Move Move us toward one another. Move us toward our neighbors, Lord. I trust you with your word. It has power. It has power without my words coming, coming from this microphone. So I pray that your word again would land where it must and change us as people. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I find myself as excited as I've been in a long time about the possibilities that lay right in front of us right now, particularly for us, Radius Church. Uh, As I've read this week, I've I've read a bunch about the history of plagues, which kind of strange uh, reading, walked kind of all the way back through history and read multiple articles on the subject. And and I heard the word many times, of course, the Bible talks about plagues, actually mentioned in the Bible a hundred times. Those 10 plagues that Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, that's probably the most famous plagues, but you get to the New Testament and you read some in Luke and some prophecy about the end and some in, in Revelation, some prophecy about the end, you see this word plague again. Almost every time in the Bible that word plague comes up, it's connected to God's judgment. It's pretty significant. And so uh, right now, as, as people that know the Lord are talking about this coronavirus, COVID-19, one of the big questions, is this the judgment of God? Fair question. Some folks will uh, bear down on that and uh, perhaps uh, manipulate a little bit with fear and hopes and probably with good intentions most times, to uh, get somebody to repent of their sin and turn to Jesus. Others hope that for the believers that have gotten soft or apathetic toward the Lord, that it'll wake us up and that we will uh, move more like Jesus as we walk this earth. And both of those are really valid. 
we just really want to do that in the right way. So the plague itself is not leading people to repentance. The kindness of God is leading people to repentance through the pressure of the plague. When a plague comes, it puts this tremendous pressure on people throughout history and certainly now. And we hope as a church that uh, people will see the kindness of God through us. That's been true throughout history. Today, I'd like to walk you through multiple historic events as we walk through Psalm 23 again. I'd like to read Psalm 23 from another translation and kind of land on uh, some different words than we used last week and, and see where we go. Psalm 23, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Last week, we focused on what the psalm's all about, the shepherd. This week, what I thought we'd do is I, I want to focus on the second person in the story. There's a lot of I's and me's and my's in, in, in this little short passage. And that, that guy is David. David wrote this psalm, and he's representing us in the psalm. And so, so there's this connection between David and the shepherd. And David, we assume, is, is comparing himself to a sheep. And sheep are dumb and weak and dirty, which is kind of strange because we know this character David in the Bible was valiant. He uh, had these major victories. And I, I kept thinking and trying to get my mind around him being a sheep. You remember when he kills Goliath? I don't know if you know your Bible well, but David kills this giant of a man when he's just a boy. David has five smooth stones, the Bible says, and he's got this little slingshot, not like the ones we got, but a little piece of leather band. He sticks a stone in, and he lets it rip, and he hits Goliath right in the head and, and, and kills him right there on the ground. Takes his sword out, cuts his head off. I mean, it's a gross scene. But, you know, when he walks out into that field of battle, he's been walking with the Lord. For, for a good little season, even as a young man. And, and, and you know what I think he looks out? He, he, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I got all that I need. Five smooth stones and the Lord. I'm in good shape. I keep picturing uh, myself looking in the mirror at the morning, in the morning. One of the things about looking in the mirror, you get to see all the flaws. And because you know yourself, you know the doubts, you know the insecurities, you know the things that are hidden. And I, I just picture as I read this phrase, I have all that I need. I, I picture Jesus, the good shepherd, in the mirror with his hand on my shoulder, staring into the mirror with, with, with a little smirk on his face of encouragement. It's just like this, this place where I believe we, the church, in a time like this, where our nation leans toward crisis, we're supposed to be the ones who know who we are because we have all that we need. David proved that throughout his life, whether he was the king even when he was in sin, when he finally came to repentance, he knew where to go. He would go back to his gracious God where he had all that he needed. He had this, I don't know, a swagger of a servant. Can, can those two words even go together? There was this thing about David where he has this swagger like a servant. Jesus had it. Jesus never had a single doubt about who he was. And yet he operated as a servant. He was born in a manger, right, to a single mom. He grew up poor. He worked with his hands. Even when the crowds came, he, he stayed in this servant position. But there was a confidence about that servitude. And that confidence was in the shepherd. Later, Jesus would identify with his father and say that he was the good shepherd. 
And so today, as we, we think about walking with our neighbors through this season, we've got to remember that Jesus stands by our shoulder and he's our good shepherd. And because of that, I was made for this moment. Because I, like David, recognize that I'm a sheep, that I'm, that I'm weak and that I'm not real capable. David was brilliant mind, right? He, he wrote half the Psalms, so he was artistic. He was valiant. He was great in battle. He seemed to be a great leader as a king, but he understood in the great economy of this world with God as the king that he was, he was just a sheep. So this season for us at Radius, and as we read Psalm 23 and commit it to memory, we keep reminding ourselves, I'm just a sheep. I'm just a sheep. I'm just a sheep. And because I'm a sheep, I was made for this moment, right? Because I know the good shepherd, and I can turn to him when others don't know. So Radius, this thing kind of hits. This is our third Sunday virtually. So we're, we're really thankful that we have some of this video stuff. Really thankful that our, our groups, uh, the way the groups are aligned right now, it's really helped us go in those seasons. We're, we're proud of how some of that stuff is going. Really thankful for our tech guys that have made all this work. But at the end of the day, the only reason we're ready for this is because we have all that we need in the Good Shepherd. Verse 2 and 3 read like this in the NLT. He lets me rest in green, in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I don't know. I'm old school. King James flows a little easier, but I really love a couple of those words for us just to chew on today. He renews my strength in the NLT. I want to ask you a question. You can look at your spouse and ask them if this is true. The last couple of weeks, has your strength been renewed? I mean, seriously, the kids are in the house, you're schooling in the house, we got all this stuff going on that's changed, and so a lot of us are just uh, still struggling to adjust to the change. Ha- have, you, have you gained any strength? Is it renewed? This week, uh, man, I don't know, we've had more dinners as a family, which was kind of cool, and it, it, it's tightened us up a little bit just because we have more FaceTime. Uh, I actually watched three episodes of Perry Mason, I don't know. It's black and white. That might be embarrassing to you, but I actually had the time to sit there. I watched, I didn't watch them in a row, but I've watched three episodes of Perry Mason, and I don't know. I'm old school. It was, it was fun. I read the book of Daniel because for Toby Kirkland, that was his favorite book, and I got, I was inspired by, uh, by Daniel's faith in, in some crazy moments and a crazy time of history as he followed the Lord. And I have to say, man, over the course of the week, though I had highs and lows, starting to have my strength renewed. Where, where you at? I mean, ask the question. Ask the question in your home. Have I had my strength renewed? Why do you need your strength renewed right now? Radius. We need our strength renewed because look what the next line says. He guides me along right paths. He's about to take us on a journey. You need to have strength to go on the journey. So you got to spend time with the Lord and, and take some stuff that inspires you toward the Lord, and, and then be ready to go along this journey along right paths. I don't believe we're in crisis yet. I don't know, man. All the news outlets, it's all over the place. You can't make heads or tails of some of it. But if there's a crisis coming, I believe that it's still to come. And so right now at Radius, you can pray with us because that's what we're doing. We're, we're planning and we're uh, preparing. Later this week, I'm going to send you an email. And in that email, 
I'm pretty excited about the possibility of how we can walk in right paths, paths of righteousness, as the King James says. How the church radius, our church, and other churches can join hands and walk right paths. But it's going to take energy, so you have to rest. You have to gain your strength, which means if you haven't been spending time with the Lord, start today. If you haven't memorized this passage, start memorizing today because we're going to need strength to walk this, this road. There's this uh, plague called the Antonine Plague. It was in the second century, uh, about 166 A.D. Uh, the Roman army went against the Par- Parthenians and conquered them, destroyed them, took all of their stuff and plundered them and brought it back to Rome. What they didn't know was that they were bringing disease with them. When we got back to Rome, the whole place erupted in disease. Some, some writers say that 2,000 people died a day in Rome. Some other writers that I've read said that a quarter of the whole Roman Empire died because of this plague. I don't know. It's overwhelming to read some of this stuff throughout history. I can't imagine living in those days, and that's not the day we're living in right now. But here's what did happen. Despite all the loss and the difficulty, the Christian church exploded across the world. This, this is before they were organized. This is just when Christians primarily met in houses, in small gatherings across the world. They had some larger and small, but there were smaller gatherings. And guess what happened? When the sickness came, they distributed God's kindness. As a matter of fact, they were known for caring for the sick. They stayed and they prayed and they cared for the sick. And they had this message about a kind God. All the pagan gods that other folks worshipped, they assumed hated them and was bringing on this plague because the pagan gods hating them. But the Christian Christian theology actually taught that sin was brought into the world by us, right? You go back to Genesis, Adam and Eve choose to sin. Romans 5 says, you and I chose with them to sin, and so we're all sinners. And we brought brokenness into this world. And so our story is about us being broken and a loving, kind God giving us the good news in Jesus to redeem us. And people started to believe across the planet. Christianity went from from one end of the earth to the other in the second century. It's interesting that uh, during these times, oftentimes Christians, uh, these times where we can post stuff and we post, uh, whether you post Fox or CNN, I don't know. I mean, if, unless I've read your, your post, we, we, we post the, a lot of times the negative against one another. And sometimes we'll post just like the most dramatic prophetic stuff that we can possibly put on the Internet. But we, we're not putting out the kindness of God. So I got a little proposal for you. I'm going to do something that's really uncomfortable for me. My kids are going to be shocked that I post something once a year. But here's what I'm going to do. And I dare you, adults, children, I like for you, I'm going to post yourself quoting Psalm 23. You're like, that's ridiculous. it, It may be, but it's an opportunity to put out some good news. It's an opportunity to point people to the shepherd. It's an opportunity to show them that he is all that I need. So I think the way I'm going to do it, because I hadn't posted it, I don't know how many years, I'm going I'm to hold one of my granddaughters. And by the way, I had a second granddaughter this week, and I'm going to hold a picture of my second granddaughter, and I'm going I'm to quote it to my little iPhone, and I'm going to have somebody help me put it online. And we're, we're just going to do it together, because our world needs to hear somebody 
talking with hope, somebody distributing kindness. And that is what sheep do because we know we don't have anything of our own. So we give away what God has given to us. You don't have to do it online, but if you want to, I'm going to. But I would like you to memorize it. Quote it to somebody. Quote it to somebody in your house. Quote it to somebody at work. You can blame it on me. Because what I believe, according to this passage, that he renews my strength and he guides me along right past, bringing honor to his name. At the end of the day, it's all about his name. And so during this COVID-19, I believe we have this great opportunity to bring honor to his name. We talked about it last week, but let me demonstrate from our brothers and sisters in the third century. In the third century, there was another plague. About 5,000 folks died a day. It's called the plague, the plague of Cyprian. Cyprian actually is a bishop. He was a church leader. He was a pastor. He was a pastor in Caesarea. And he would push his people. And a lot of what we've learned about this plague is because of his teaching. When he actually taught on Sunday, he would talk about the results of the plague. But what he would say is don't mourn those who are asleep because he believed that the Christians who had died from the plague, and Christians die too from the plague, he, he believed that though they were dead, Physically, they were just asleep spiritually, and they were with God. So he, he told us, hey, stop worrying about them and serve the living. There's a couple other key guys during that, that time. One, one of them's name is Dionysius. Hard for me to say. He said at the times, he said, heedless of danger, Christians took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. There's another guy named Eusebius. He was a great church leader of that time. He says, the Christian deeds were on everyone's lips, and they glorified the God of the Christians. Man, I hope, Radius Church, that in Lexington County, out in Saluda, over in Irmo, and really all throughout the Midlands, that folks aren't talking about our political views right now. I hope they're talking about our kindness. And at the end of the day, I hope they don't talk about us at all, I hope they talk about our Lord, that they would glorify the God of the Christians as we walk through this with other folks. As the crisis kind of builds, we'll continue to pray, prepare, and hopefully in the coming weeks, we're going to come through. Verse 4, we read it last week. I walk through the darkest valley, says the NLT. I walk through the darkest valley. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. I walked through the darkest valley. I kept stewing on that, and all of a sudden I'm, I thought, hey, it's, it's kind of like I'm walking in the darkest valley, right? Like, like God with me is allowing me, this little sheep, this weak one, to walk through the darkest valley. How many people ever walked on water? Jesus. Peter. He didn't last long, but only two men ever walked on water, and one of them was Peter, and that's because he had his eyes on the shepherd, and he did what the shepherd did. It's potential during this season that you and I can walk through this time in Lexington, South Carolina, Saluda, Irmo, like nobody else, because we're walking with the shepherd. Martin Luther is one of the greats of all time, teaching the Bible. He really was the beginning of the Reformation in the 1500s. And uh, he got married kind of late in life. His wife was named Catherine. He was deeply in love with her. He called her Katie, and she was pregnant in 1527. 
and the Black Death Plague, which is basically Black Death 3.0 because the plague came and it returned and it came and it returned. I don't know if you remember this from school, but they called it the bubonic plague. It was deadly. It came to the town where uh, Martin Luther was and uh, in Wittenberg, and he wrote this really interesting, I don't know, just a little paragraph that is a great guide for me and you in this season. I want to read it to you. Martin Luther, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. I'm doing that now. We had uh, our first case, coronavirus with a partner here at Radius this week, and we are praying for them. And we hope that she's the only one. But we may have more, and we will pray. We'll pray that God will protect us. And then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I I shall avoid places and persons where my presence not needed in order to not become contaminated, thus perchance inflict and, uh, and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. I hope you're doing this. That's why, why I'm sitting on this stage with nobody in a room because we're trying to, one, submit to the government and follow their rules, and, and two, take care of our neighbors by keeping a distance. <laughs> Though the church throughout history has been willing to go to the six, the, actually seems like the healthy thing to do right now is to social distance, and so we are, and we'll prepare in other ways to serve the church. Let me read on. If God should wish to take me, He will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Terrific, simple comment from a really, really bright follower of Jesus on how we're to live in this moment. And this is a moment where because of crisis, we have an opportunity, perhaps like no other opportunity in our life, to show the kindness of God. So real soon, once we have a plan and we feel like the crisis is here, we hope that to avoid it. But if it comes, then we're going to engage and execute. We're going to put our people to work one way or another with our resources or uh, our contacts, our telephones, and we're going to serve. We're going to do just like Martin Luther said. We're going to keep our distance and serve in the same moment. I want to read you verse 5. Verse 5, I love it. I didn't really get to talk about it last week. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Look at that one line. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Does that seem, that seems counterintuitive, that the God of the universe is honoring me, is honoring David. I don't know if you remember this, but David, as a young boy, Samuel, a prophet, comes and anoints his head with oil, declaring him the future king of Israel. So I imagine as he writes this, that's got to be going through his head. He's honored by the anointing of his head. He was made a king even before he had the crown. And so he could walk around like the king because of the anointing. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are actually called joint heirs with him. We are connected by blood to the king. And so we have this responsibility to walk like that. Have you struggled with that this week? Thursday. Cheryl looked at me and she goes, I'm just off. And I looked at her and I said, I'm off too. 
We've been in the house most of the day. A couple of our kids are home. We're trying to relearn how to roll this thing, and it just a struggle. That night we had a phone call. Actually, uh, we uh, did the Zoom call, which is a little bit new for me. And uh, Scott and Jess Schufert, who are, uh, are planning on coming down to plant a church in Columbia, wanted to get together with us. So we got on the Zoom call. They're in their 30s. They have four kids. The three-year-old came down and got in the video and sat on his dad's lap. It was, it was cool. And as we watched them, I don't know what happened, but I, I started to feel more and more confident about what God is calling us to. We're not stopping. These guys, as a young couple, have their house on the market in the middle of COVID-19 because they believe God has called them to go downtown Columbia to plant a church to reach students and that community. It makes me, it makes me excited just to, just to hear them talk about it with confidence on a Zoom call. I don't know if you ever met Scott. Scott's a former offensive lineman. So offensive linemen have just regularly, they don't have a whole lot of swagger. But if you know Scott, he got this swagger of a servant. And because of that, because of his connection to the shepherd, and because of looking in the mirror and seeing the shepherd with his hand on his shoulders, but despite all the chaos that's going on right now, he's willing to take his family, move it to Columbia. And man, I don't know. It just makes me excited. Because Radius, look, when this is all over, we're going to recover and we're going to reemerge and we're going we're gonna, to uh, keep pushing. We're going to keep going after Irmo and then we're going after downtown. That's, that's just our job. But the church isn't stopping because there's some kind of a crisis. We stay the church. And I love, I love what this passage says. We're not waiting to be a church again. The passage actually says, my cup overflows with blessings. Remember that line at the beginning? I have all that I need. You almost feel in this passage now that I have more than I need. I really have wrestled with that this week. Because when a crisis like this comes, you start wondering, do I have enough? And real quickly over the course of the week, the Lord has pressured me and reminded me that I have all that I need. And toward the end of the week, I start to realize I have more than I need. And potentially in the coming weeks, I'm going to have the opportunity to take the more than I need and give it to somebody else. And that water that's overflowing in my cup, I'm going to be able to share it with somebody else. Show them the kindness of God. Last verse. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful verse. You ever been chased by love? I played basketball. I wasn't very good. I was an okay athlete, so so one of the things I liked, believe it or not, was at the end of practice, I liked to run lines because I wasn't very skilled, but I could run. And there was this, the captain of our team, his name was Bobby Delane. I swear I was faster than him. But somehow he would always, me and him, racing, he'd be talking smack the whole time while we are going back and forth on, on the lines. We'd be racing, and, and it was just this really healthy, almost fun, made me angry sometimes, pressure that Bobby put on me to go. That's kind of what it it's like to be chased by love. When you know Jesus and you've been loved at that level, his love pursues us and it presses us forward. Last night, I, I couldn't sleep. I had started this uh, biography. It's a kid's biography, easy to read. It's, uh, by, it's about a young couple during the Great Depression uh, 
they, they grew up on the northeast side of America and uh, got married in, in, right out of college. They went to a little college called Moody in Chicago, and then they went on the mission field to China. Uh, they're named John and Betty, I believe, Stamp. And uh, as I read this simple little biography, I, uh, man, I was pressed by John and Betty's love for the Lord. They loved the Lord so much that they wanted to go to the people in China that had never heard the gospel. I, I really could not imagine some of their stories because um, they're, they're, they're trying to pay their way to China during the Great Depression. We're worried about the corona. They're in the middle of the Great Depression, and they're finding their way to China during the Great Depression. This dude is taking his young wife into the middle of chaos where it was extremely unsafe. And by the end of the story, uh, they're actually uh, martyred for the cause of Christ. Communist soldiers catch them. Uh, a long story, you'd have to read it. And they uh, kill them both side by side, leave their baby alive, uh, who was later taken by other missionaries. But it's just like I read the whole story, and they saved kind of the punchline for the end. And I got to the punchline, like, ah, what a waste. Two 27-year-olds killed by a machete in the woods of China. But then the last couple pages of this book, the people of the world that knew God celebrate folks that were, that were driven by love to others, that wanted to take the kindness of Jesus to the world to move people to repentance, so much so that they give up their lives on the behalf of others. You talk about having all that I need. John and Betty, heroes. Martyrs of the faith, there have been many, many thousands shed their blood to take the kindness of God to this world. Right now, it's our job. Right now, it's you and me. I don't know how this thing exactly plays out, but again, I find myself as excited as I ever have been because it feels like God has placed us in this moment at this time to represent him. So get ready to get to work. Let me pray. Jesus, I'm limited in my ability to communicate your truth. But I pray again that that simple song will land in people's hearts. And you'll change them. You'll give them rest. But then you'll give them energy for others. Lord, what do you want Radius to do? How do you want us to do it? Right now, Lord, we want to simply pray that you would... Stop the pandemic. We, we'd love to see you save lives from physical death. But on the flip side, Lord, in, in the moment, in the middle of the crisis, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want our neighbors to learn about you. So how do you want us to go forward? We're looking at you with your hand on our shoulder in the mirror, Lord. All of our confidence is in you. Right now as a church, we confess we are but a sheep. We know that we are. And we need you. And in some odd way, we're excited to lead by our need for you. I love you and I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.